Hello and welcome to the Feminine Millionaire Show. I'm your host, Polly Alexander. I'm a success coach, healer, creative and future millionaire. If creating money and success in a spiritual and feminine way is your goal, this show is for you. Understand how to overcome your past, bring your soul's greatest gifts to the world and up-level your income, impact, joy and happiness. Join me on my journey to creating a seven-figure business and learn the business mindset, spiritual and lifestyle changes I make along the way. Let's all rise together. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of The Feminine Millionaire Show. I'm really excited to bring a very special guest to you today and we're going to be talking about all things podcasting, which I have never talked about before on the show. So Michelle Lamoureux is an author, speaker, podcast host and coach who guides women to love their lives and embrace their unique voice in the world. Michelle hosts the popular podcast for women, The Good Life Coach, which I'm very honoured to have been a guest on several times. The show is downloaded in over 80 countries where she interviews best-selling authors, leading experts and extraordinary female entrepreneurs to inspire women to awaken to their full potential. In her book, Design a Life You Love, Michelle teaches self-love as the gateway to all you desire in life. Before her work empowering women, Michelle spent 15 years in corporate America leading international marketing and branding campaigns for professional services firms. Welcome, Michelle. So good to be with you, Polly. It's fun to have this conversation the other way. I love having you on, but this is fun for me now to be the guest. I know. <laughs> the tables are turned. I'm they feeling are. the pressure. You're a great interviewer, so oh. feeling the pressure. <laughs> <laughs> so could you share a little bit about the journey that led you to starting the Good Life podcast? Because this is actually when our paths crossed. So I, I only know you as the host of the podcast, but share with my listeners what came before. Okay. Well, actually, if you want to know how I started podcasting or why, honestly, from the time I was a little girl, I wanted to have my own show. And that may sound funny, but I remember watching a very popular TV host when I was probably eight years old in the United States, where I'm based here in San Diego, but at the time in Boston. And I remember thinking, what a cool job. It was a man at the time. It was before the Oprah Winfrey's of the day and, you know, continuing to watch these hosts connect with people on ideas and information just lit my heart up. And so even though I pursued this corporate path in marketing, I always had in my heart that I wanted to have a show, whatever that meant. And the beauty of podcasting is that really anyone can do it. And so when I was 38, I got married at 36. That Christmas, my husband, this was back in 2008, my husband, as a Christmas present for me, knew I wanted to get my voice out in the world. He's very much an early adopter of technology. And he said, podcasting is the future. So I woke up on Christmas morning with a mic. He had built me a website and he said, you're ready to go. And I was like, blown away. And it's funny because I don't know if you've read the book, The Five Love Languages, I have. but just in the last 
two years, I learned that his love language is acts of service. And so at the time, I didn't realize that was really his way of also showing his love and appreciation, but it was lovely. So I did, I launched a show back in 2008 when there were just 2000 podcasts. No one was doing it. No one was really listening, you know, in the way they are now. And fast forward, I relaunched the show just three years ago at the age of 48. Now there's 2 million plus podcasts out there. So it's amazing. And he was right. He was right about being an early adopter, but I did stop once my daughter came along. And that is why I stopped podcasting at the time. Yeah. It's interesting you shared about your interest in shows as a child, because you just brought a memory. I remember I used to record a radio show with a friend when I was a child, and it was called the Nikki Polly Radio Show, and we had a jingle. I don't don't remember what we talked about. (laughs) I love that, because we're about the same age, and I used to do that with my cousins. We used to sit with the recorder, right? And you would just sit and be creative and have fun doing these kinds of things. So it was the Nikki and Polly show. Yeah, the Nikki and Polly radio show. I, I can't sing, but I can still hear the jingle. I love that. <laughs> we might even have an episode on cassette somewhere. <laughs> I love that. So you'd experiment, and I love that your husband did such a big gesture. I mean, that's just magical. Mm-hmm. So what made you come back to podcasting? And when you did, like, what was your goal? Did you just think, I just want to do it and have fun? Or did you come in with a really, like, a strategy to grow it? How did it restart? Well, I have one daughter and I have a stepson and I cherish being a mom, cherish it. And I watched my mom stay home with us as children and the warmth and the love that she brought, not just to us, but literally all the kids in the neighborhood that we were the house that everyone would come hang out at. And I wanted to model that kind of parenting. But what I realized is I loved working. I loved my time in corporate. I loved making money. And I realized I had given up a part of my heart and my true self by just being a stay-at-home mom, which is a beautiful thing to do for those who are choosing that path. I think that's beautiful. But the reason I relaunched the show was as much for me, as much as knowing that there were so many other women out there like me who had given up a part of themselves. And it was an invitation for women to say, let me take a class you know, you don't have to start a business, but if you want to, I talk about paying attention to those inner whispers a lot on the show. What's that voice telling you? What does it want you to do? I started taking voice lessons again because I did musical theater as a kid. I needed to add more back of who I was pre-marriage, pre-children and reconnect to the things that light up my heart. And so that was really the impetus of relaunching the show. I always loved doing it. And I knew it was time and, you know, I was 47 and I thought another year is just going to go by. There's no time, but now, and it was about eight months after we moved from Boston to San Diego and we were settled. And I thought, okay, I have the space to explore this. And that was three years ago when I relaunched the show. And when you relaunched, you came into a very different market, as you shared. First time around, there were 2,000. It was all new and exciting. There was tons of opportunity. It was the next big thing. And the second time around, there's like a million podcasts or something. Is there anything in your mindset that you had to overcome to actually launch this, knowing that now it's something that everyone does? Yeah, it's interesting because 
I didn't have any of those limiting beliefs. What I really had to pay attention to is when I first had my show, I was doing solo casts. And it was so clear to me that I wanted to do an interview series in addition to doing some one-off solo casts. I realized where I get my energy and it's for sure connecting like with lovely guests like you, Polly, when you come on the show around ideas and information. And so that was one of the things that I had to look at when I launch, how am I going to do this? The other part was I had done everything soup to nuts when I launched back in 2008, getting it up on Libsyn and doing it all was super simple. And so one of the things that was very clear to me was the tech and the anyone could do it on their own, but that's not where I wanted to invest my time. So finding a podcast editor to partner with me was one of the things that I did before I even launched my first episode. So I was batch recording interviews and I was very fortunate to find an amazing editor. So it was also an awareness that and permission to realize that I didn't have to do it all by myself like I did before. This was a new you know, medium again now had grown in popularity. And so partnering with the editor was giving myself permission to not have to figure out how to do it all, which I think a lot of us women feel that we need to, that we need to know it all and we have to make it harder. And so one of the best things that I did was investing in my editor who I love, and he's been with me since the very first episode. Brilliant. Brilliant. You run a weekly show, What would you say the time allocation from your side is in total a week for planning, approaching guests, marketing, recording? For me, it's a lot because I often interview like New York Times bestselling authors. I'll dive into their books. I'll research, you know, their bios. I'll do a lot of prep depending who the guest is. I also, and not everyone does this. I go back. I listen to every interview that I do both to learn or to discern maybe what could I have done better, what I want to do, but also for the listener's experience. I want to make sure that there were any glitches or any editing that needs to be done. I flag that. I don't actually leave that to my podcast editor. His role is to maximize the volume and make it sound great and to get it up on the platforms. But when it comes to the content, I take that on. So I would it's anywhere from 10 to 15 hours. Mm -hmm. So that's probably more than people realize that, you know, and then you're curating your own show, especially when it's an interview show. So you're constantly doing outreach to guests and paying attention to, you know, either what's topical that you want to cover or, you know, who's, who's on that list and doing the outreach. So for me, it is, it's about 10 to 15 hours a week. Mm -hmm. I think that's reflected in the quality of your show. Oh, thank you. That's very sweet. I think that your interviewing is fantastic. Let's talk about that. What do you think makes a great interviewer? I think genuinely being interested in your guest, being fully present to what they're saying and not trying to think of the questions that you want to ask, but being so fully present and listening carefully so that there's almost like an energetic exchange with what's happening and with what's being said so that you are then organically directing the conversation based on what comes up, because you may have like five questions, you know, you want to ask and they say something unexpected. And so you need to be able to be flexible to kind of follow, you know, something interesting that just came up that, you know, you know, your audience is going to want to hear. And the other thing is always having your audience in mind, picture one person that sort of, you know, and that person could be you. For me, like I said, I launched the show kind of knowing what was missing. And so 
I think about what would my audience really most care about from this person? What's going to give them the most value? We focus a lot on tactical, tangible, actionable tips in every episode because I want women, they're busy. Women are busy. I want them to walk away with something valuable, I, you know, but also have it be entertaining. And, you know, like you feeling like you're hanging out with a couple of friends on a show and, you know, that you're a part of the show. So that's how I approach it. Great tips. Thank you for sharing. What do you think has been your most rewarding experience so far from podcasting? Oh, I love that question. I mean, I think honestly, it's connecting with amazing people like you. I also have had some dream guests. I wrote a list of people that it would just be a dream for me to have on the show. And so I just recently had one of those women on. Her name is Dr. Sarah Gottfried. She just wrote a book. And, you know, I think I outreached to them the first year. I don't know if I didn't get to the right person or whatever, but she had written a book. So I reached out to the publisher this time and gave them all the details about, you know, the stats and the downloads and all that good stuff, but also a heartfelt reason why I wanted to connect. And she was on James Nestor, who wrote Breath, The New Science of a Lost Art, who became a New York Times bestseller, like instantly. I just thought, what a cool concept. This would be a dream to have him on. And he came on. So for me, it's this connection with amazing people. I mean, that's what fuels me. I think that's been the most rewarding part of doing what I'm doing. And what do you think has helped you secure such great guests on the show? Because you have had some fantastic guests and such a, I love the variety on the show as well. You travel around, you travel around the world, around <laughs> modalities, around topics, around ideas. Yeah, I actually, that's a fun question. And actually, so the podcast in some way is aligned with my book. You know, my book, it covers life, love, body, career, or you could say entrepreneurship, because we cover a lot of entrepreneurship on the show, simplicity, spirituality. So it sort of aligns with those areas. Yeah, I get this question a lot, actually. Like, how do you get all these great guests? So I think, honestly, for a show to be successful, you have to think of it in terms of the long game. So like I said, I reached out year one to Dr. Sarah Gottfried and does not get her on the show. Year three, I got her on the show. So it's being patient and realistic about the fact that, you know, what value are you bringing to the guests that you are inviting on the show? And anyone who's seasoned at being a guest knows that 40% of the podcasts out there never get past episode 20, Polly. Did you know that? I didn't actually, no. I mean, I think one of the things when I started, it was a personal goal to be consistent. That was one of my personal biggest goals. But I didn't realize that most people drop off. Yeah, I mean, almost half of the people drop off. So anyone who's well-known and out there have certain metrics that they're looking at, you know, they want to know that you're going to show up and do it. I mean, I worked with this lovely woman. I had hired her for a little while. and. I hope she got her show out at the time she had had eight interviews recorded and hadn't launched it because, you know, her career was taking off. She was very a young woman. And so that's another thing that I see a lot of people actually do all the work and then they never put it out into the world. And so, you know, these are some of the challenges that do come up with podcasting, but yeah, I think it's, it's being very intentional about what it is that you are bringing to the guest and then writing the most thoughtful, but brief 
email with the the data that really is going to let them decide whether it's the right fit for them and not taking it personally. If they say no, very few people have said, no, I have to say, this isn't, you know, something that you're just doing casually, but I'd say thinking about it with a longer term vision is important. How do you think you've evolved as an interviewer over the last three years? I think, you know, I remember what's funny is I invited my friend, Rob Toomey, who's an expert in Myers-Briggs, the personality type indicator to come on the show. And he was my very first interview. And the second I hit record, I was like, Rob, I'm nervous. This is so weird. We've known each other. He was a lawyer at the law firm that I worked at. And he has his own type indicator that he's developed and he's so easygoing and fun. And he's like, I'm glad I'm your first. And we had a laugh about that because I was like, why am I nervous? I'm just talking to you. So I'd say the way that I've grown is just, you know, after the first two or three, I just settled in. And now three years later, I'm a very private person, Polly. I find that I'm slowly, and I think this is an important piece for your audience to know more of you. It's not just, you do this too with your interviews. It's a conversation. It's not about a Q&A. You know, we're not moderating a panel. We're trying to connect in a meaningful way with our guests and our audiences. And so I have found that I have allowed myself, and because I'm so private, it has taken, we're in year three now where I'm showing more of myself in my interviews. Yeah, and I would say I don't get nervous. I mean, after those first few even with people that I admire so much, you know, it's also a perspective that we're all just people, you know, this is about connecting genuinely with somebody else. It's not about, oh goodness, they have 150,000 followers. I could care less about that stuff. It's who are you as a person? And let's share this expertise that you have for my audience and to get, you know, your name out there more too. You know, it's a relationship. It's really you're in the relationship. I would say that's how I've grown over the last three years. So interesting. Do you think everyone should start a podcast or do you think there's certain kinds of people that it's a better fit for? I'm curious. So again, to go back, should everyone podcast? My answer is everyone can, but they should ask themselves why they want to do it. And if it's like a full on, yes, I'm willing to make the commitment. I'm willing to be consistent. I'm willing to put the time. I've got the time to do it. And I have realistic expectations. Absolutely. It's super, it's so easy. I think people think the tech and all of this stuff is really hard. It's really not. It's not. Anyone can do it. Mm. Anyone can do it if they're committed. And again, I'd go back to saying having that long game, long-term vision for what they're putting out in the world. And managing those expectations of like, I think people go, wait, you know, some people can launch a show and it's like 30 downloads and they're like, wait, I thought thousands of people were going to tune in. It takes time. Right. It takes time. Like when you start your Instagram account and you've got one follower and my people in my business mastermind, they're like, but I've got 50 followers. It's like, we all were there. We That's all right. started with that first download That's with right. that first follower. Yeah. You have to start somewhere. So absolutely, it's accessible to anyone. But also ask yourself, you know, are you a good writer? Are you good, you know, speaker? Just tune into what actually is fun for you. It should be fun and follow that. Don't just start a podcast because everyone says you need a podcast. I don't believe in that. I don't think that's good advice. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So how do you monetize your podcast? It's giving the people an experience of you. And then for me, it's coaching. 
and it's around now I'm offering the podcast coaching because I know when I launched my show, I'm an extrovert. And it's, this isn't just because I'm an expert. I think some people are like me and that they like to be able to ask questions of someone and have somebody really hold their hand through the process. So the coach I hired to help me was a health coach who had a great podcast. I'm like, I really like your show. Will you mentor me on this? And so I'm now offering that to other business owners so that they can do it. And so that's how I'm doing it through my coaching. And so, you know, if you're a coach or an author, you know, maybe your show's helping you get speaking engagements. Maybe it's, again, it's serving maybe, Polly, I can imagine your programs, you know, people get an experience of you. You're giving all this free content. People don't realize the shows cost money to produce. That's another thing people need to take in consideration for should everyone podcast costs money every month if you're hiring somebody. And if not, you have to think what's your billable hour. And if you're putting that into producing the show yourself, that's money that you could be spent coaching someone just as an example, right? So you have to factor into all of these things into the equation, but yeah, it's for for sure a way to do it. And also you have to think about your show as a way to expand your brand recognition, your expertise, positioning yourself as an expert in the market, right? It's expanding your network. I've met, like I said, Said, people look, you're in Ibiza. I'm in San Diego. We've become friends just having you on my show. And now I'm on your show. So it's network building. There's so many benefits, you know, and absolutely. Can you get sponsors? Yes, you can. For me, it's like the amount of money that I would make from sponsorships. I'd rather not have my audience have to listen to all those ads and that the sponsor would really need to be aligned with what I do because of the integrity that I want to bring to it. And so if it's just, to me, it wasn't worth it. That's not where I wanted to spend my time, but for sure, somebody could focus on gaining sponsorship. So that's one way also for people to monetize their show. So video or no video, I have noticed an increasing trend and I, I'm going to go back a couple of years. When I first started guesting on podcasts, the very first one that my booking agency got me onto, I was absolutely shocked because she was recording it on video and I'd got pages and pages and pages of notes of what to say. And I was like, oh my gosh, I can't look at them. I can't use them. So I learned from that very first one, it was a bit of a baptism of fire that always be prepared for being on video. Yes. Let's talk about this. What's your take on it? Video or no video? I am now moving towards video. So when I started, I was doing it on Skype. Our interview, I'm wondering, I, I recorded literally in my closet. When I tell you how small this closet was, I would come out of it after an hour interview, just like so hot. I'm like, oh my God, I'm <laughs> suffocating in there. I'm like, there's got to be a better way. And then the more you get into it, you're like, oh, okay, I've got a rug in here and I've got my headset and I, I can do things to make sure. I, I think that the audio needs to be optimized. I always let my guests know it's going to be audio and video so that they can be prepared. And I also give them the option. I say, Hey, if you don't feel like, you know, you want this to be out there in video, we can have an audio only experience. Again, it's a relationship with my guest. I want them to be comfortable. One of the beauties, honestly, of podcasting is the intimacy of an auditory experience. People are taking you on a walk with them. They're walking their dog or out walking and you're in their ear. They're in the car driving to drop their kids off at school or whatever they're doing. You're in their car, in your ear. It's like hanging out with a friend. It's such an intimate, intimate experience. So I'd say, don't worry so much. We're moving towards video, but don't worry so much about that because the audio experience itself, think about it. I consume my podcast that I listen to exclusively 
through podcasting, through an audio experience, not video. So video is the future, but you can take that off the table. Take it off the table. If it's not something you want to do, it's not a big deal. Good to hear. That's where I'm at at the moment. Yeah. It's such an intimate thing. Yeah. Some people, when I first started doing it, I'd say, do you want to see me or do you want to shut off the, uh, camera because we're people can't see us Polly but we're on zoom and so we're seeing each other and some people are like oh do you mind can I shut the camera I'm like yes be comfortable I want to have a great experience for my audience so just be you and you don't have to see me a lot of people need to process and they need that they don't want the distraction of, of seeing me and that's fine yeah so let's fast forward I want you to imagine like five years down the line of the good life podcast what are you doing is it a tv show now is it a radio show is it a live event like play with it what, what do I you love say? that yes yes and yes let's do it all I love all of that I love doing <laughs> the show so much I would love to sit down with my guests in a studio I would love that I would love to have that experience and just the intimacy of the people being there and having it be a full-on production. That would be absolutely the dream. And I could see some live events and bringing women together and all about empowering women. There's so much amazing content that's being produced with your show, with my show, with so many shows. Like if I could get you know, those same amazing guests to come in person and people can hear them live. I love the energy of live. It's just such a beautiful experience and one that obviously many of us have not had in two years now. So yeah, if I'm dreaming big, it's studio. We'll have to see, we'll have to check in in five years if this happens, but for sure it'd be like an in-person professional production, whether it's TV or not, doesn't matter as much as the quality of what's being produced and that ability to be with, with the guest in person would be a dream for sure. One of the questions I like to ask all my guests is what is true abundance to you? Yes. For me, it's about being present to the moment. My favorite poet is Khalil Gibran, who wrote The Prophet. And there's a quote in it under friendship, and it's the last sentence on there. And it says, in the dew of little things, the heart finds its morning and is refreshed. And when I think of that line, it literally every time I've read it, I've said it so many times, it brings tears to my eyes because that is life. It's holding my daughter's hand or when we were, she was little, we used to do what I'd call it cheek to cheek. And just, just the energetic feeling state of the love, that immense love I felt with her, just being able to just have our cheeks together, holding her hand or hugging my husband or just a kiss from him. You know, it's those little moments. It's watching the hummingbird flying in my backyard or, you know, just appreciating the beautiful flowers and just letting it just wash over me. That is true abundance. It's those little things that fill your heart and makes it refreshed. That's how I would describe it. Beautiful. And what practices or ways of being help you get into that state of presence? Yeah. You know, I think it's been a journey. I think like for many of us, you know, of when I was in corporate, I would say, gosh, it was all about work and ignoring my body and ignoring everything, <laughs> you know, my, what I needed to do to tend to my self-care and my self-love. And now it's really prioritizing myself. And so it's gratitude 
it's journaling, it's breathing. I wore a back brace poly for six years growing up for scoliosis. So breath to me is everything. So just realizing like, okay, my shoulder's hurting right now. What do I need? And it's just taking a moment before we started this interview, I asked you, can we ground for a second? And I took a breath. So those things help me. And then also just, I think again, this last two years is just really put a spotlight on what's important. And so, you know, if I find that I'm rushing and not listening fully to my daughter, it's like, put the phone down, get present, pay attention, give her your attention. Cause this is what matters. And really just reminding myself what really matters. And all we ever have is the moment that we're in. That's it. So true. Oh, I could go in so many directions and I'm like, oh no, we're going to need to wrap up. (laughs) (laughs) Take this conversation off the podcast. Yes. Which we do, Polly, right? (laughs) That's what we do after the shows. We chat for an hour. (laughs) (laughs) I kind of wish we'd had this conversation before I started my podcast. (laughs) I'm just like, Ah. I needed to hear this before I started my podcast. So I know it's going to be of so much value to people listening. And I know a lot of my community, they talk about wanting to have a podcast. It's kind of on the plate and then they're sure. nervous. Can I do it? Well, have I got what it takes? Should I do it? Yes. And I think you've brought so much wisdom that will support that dialogue of helping women get their voices into the world. And um, what would you say to someone that's like, you know what, I think I've got to do this podcast. Like what words of encouragement or support would you share? I'd say go for it. Just one foot in front of the other, just start, just start, get your first interview lined up. You know, like I said, the tech is, I think one of the barriers people see as why they're not starting, but it's not, as we know, it's not hard. You really just need a microphone and your computer and Skype or Zoom or one of these, you know, platforms that allows you to connect, or it could be a solo cast. I mean, you have to decide what kind of show you want to do again, super easy for me. It's garage band on my Mac. I forget what it's called on a PC. I'm forgetting the platform they use, but the people would have it for free on their computer and just hit record and don't be hard on yourself. People don't like hearing their voice. Once your interview, our interviews out, I'll go back and listen and think, oh, what didn't I say that I wish I had said? Like, I always try to improve. I was like, I have to listen because this is about being in service. This isn't about me. This isn't about me. So don't worry about your voice. This is the beauty you get to express your authentic voice and it's okay if it's a little shaky at first or you're nervous, that's normal. Just start, just start believing yourself and start and you'll figure things out as you go. What's cooler than that? I mean, learning is part of life, right? It's even if you don't stick with it, look, I had a show and I was one of those stats, right? I dropped it after, I don't know how many episodes back in 2008 and I picked it up 10 years later. So don't be hard on yourself. If you find it's not the right time, you tried. You tried, maybe tell yourself, I'm going to do 20 episodes. And if I still loving it after the 20, and I will tell you, you have to keep reinventing yourself. I'm on episode 160 now, right? And so there, there had been times over the last three years where I'm like, oh my God, I don't know if I have it in me to keep going or whatever. I mean, it's a lot. And then I'm like, oh my goodness, of course I would never stop. But you know, it's like, what do I need to do to make it more fresh and interesting again? Or you know, what needs to change? Or am I going in a direction that doesn't feel authentic to my heart and what my audience needs right now? And so you're just going to be constantly calibrating as you go. And that's all good. It's all good. What do you think the greatest gift is you personally have received from podcasting? 
Again, it's the people I've connected with. The people I've connected with. I mean, to read a book from a New York Times bestseller that I would have read anyway, and then to be able to sit down and actually interview them about their work. I mean, it's amazing. I'm like, I can't believe this is happening. I am from Boston and Stacy Madison, who started Stacy's Pita Chips, which sold for $250 million. I had followed her story and I heard her on how I built this. And I'm like, oh, she sounds really cool. I love her story. Wouldn't it be fun? She was on my dream list and she came on and not only was it an amazing interview and connecting with her, but we really connected as people, you know, we've stayed in touch and you and I, Polly, you're one of the gifts. You're one of the gifts. I mean, you're just one of the most beautiful souls and you're so fully present and your heart is so committed to giving. And as we know, I could talk to you for hours and I just feel like you are a gift. And so this is what's the most rewarding part is the people that you meet. You know, if people focus on the money and all, fine, I get it. You know, another way to build your business and expertise, all of that is beautiful. But for me personally, it is, it is the amazing men and women, mostly women, because I interview more women than men who've come on the show that I've gotten to connect with. Thank you. So beautifully put. So I just want to keep talking and we can't. <laughs> <laughs> well, we can, but not for we the can, audience. But, uh, okay. I have I boundaries around my episodes. <laughs> yes, I yes. want as many people to listen to them as possible. So I yeah, try no, that's to... smart. And that's the other thing you can play with. Are you doing a 10 minute in, you know, episode? Are you doing a solo episode? I mean, all of that does impact your downloads and stats and all of that. It does actually impact your ranking. So, you know, the more an episode is consumed, the higher your ranking will be. So all of that actually is important. And so, but I also say, just do what feels authentically right to you. You know what I mean? And for your audience and take polls as you get, as you build your audience. And that's another important thing bring them back to a newsletter, to your website, to something, because you are growing a community beyond just the show. Mm. So many amazing tips today. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom so transparently and also just bringing so much of your soul into sharing your journey. I really appreciate that. How can people connect more with you? I'd say the easiest or best way is through my website, which is thegoodlifecoach.com. They can find the podcast interviews with you. They can search. So there's a category on the podcast page, health, and one is money. You'll see Polly there if you search on the website. And I'd invite people if they want to join the newsletter. I'll be launching a course in March on how to podcast. I also work with women one-on-one who want to work with somebody where they can talk it through so they can just reach out and put in the ray line. Just email me at hello at thegoodlifecoach.com and write podcasting and we can get connected that way, but they'll get a copy of my book for free, Polly. Design a life you love. When the pandemic started, I decided to just give it away. And that's what people get when they join the newsletter. So a lot of great information and free resources on the website. Amazing. Amazing. Thank you for so generously sharing your gifts with the world and making them so available. And I think what you touched on about the connections being one of the most important things that you've received personally from podcasting and brings you the most joy. And I think I really noticed that, you know, the last couple of years when we've been more restricted in our ability to connect with people, our ability to travel, 
you know, be around inspiring people in person, to be able to do that from the comfort of your home and connect with inspiring people over the world and have deep heartfelt connections like you create with your guests. I think that's so powerful. It's just, yeah, a really incredible medium. So thank you for sharing your journey and thank you for being on the show. Thank you so much for having me, Polly, and for the beautiful podcast that you produce. I love listening to it. And I always get excited when there's a new episode and just for the work that you do in the world. You're amazing. And so it's an honor to be here with you and with your audience. So thank you for having me. You too. You too. Thank you. One of the joys of the pandemic is our friendship. And I value and appreciate that. And I think I probably wouldn't have started podcasting if I'd been busy being out in the world probably wouldn't have started guest interviewing and putting that energy and time in. So there are gifts in these unique times we currently live in. But thank you so much for your show, for the Good Life Coach podcast and for everything you do. And I strongly encourage you all to check it out. It's an amazing show. Michelle has amazing guests and she is very wise on this topic. So definitely go connect with her. I hope today's interview has been informative and inspiring for you and you've enjoyed the guest experts I brought on in the month of January. Can you believe we're already at the end of January 2022? It's already shaping up to be a great year for me and I intend it is for you too. If you would like support with your business, go check out thrivebeautifully.com. We close the doors to my high-level mastermind at the end of this week, the 31st of January. So hop on and check that out if you are looking for high-level healing, support, coaching, business training and mentoring. And I have made some conversation times available to connect with you. Have a beautiful and abundant and fruitful week. And I will be back again next week.